Well, hello, hello. This is Lance Osborne, and you're listening to Above Average, the podcast for big families. Thank you for joining us. As always, I'm here with my good buddy, my good co-host, pal. Bobby. Bobby Earhart. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm rocking and rolling. Speaking of rocking and rolling, dude, you and I, we're always talking about music. Music's a big thing in my life. It's a big thing in your life, especially for your, uh, your family. Here's a uh, Stump Bobby question. What have you guys been listening to lately? Oh, man, you would do that. Uh, I feel like our family always has, a, like, we always have, like, one dance party song that's current. You guys are a dance party kind of family. We will, yeah. We'll just bust out into a dance party every so often to break the mood, break the monotony. Um, our kids will steal our phones and somehow start playing something. Uh, they've all got fun, happy spirits when it comes to fun dance song. So, gosh, the answer to your question. Um Oh, it's uh it's uh is the band Walk the Moon? Yeah, it's Walk the Moon. Walk the Moon. Yeah, I, I think it's in the top 10 or whatever pop songs right now. Uh Walk the Moon, uh the song is Shut Up and Dance. Shut up and dance with me. <laughs> um and, but it's funny though cuz we're like now, shut up is not a nice word outside of us doing our dance party songs. <laughs> Catherine and I are looking at each other like, are we, are we parents? Are we, this is, that's such a parenting thing to do. We're like dancing to this song, and then we have to tell them, let's not say shut up to people. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Beth, we're at the point now where she, she self-edits. So we've been uh, probably like many people in the world. We've been listening to a lot of Taylor Swift, and it just happens. Love it, hate it. It just happens. It's a thing. And she says, oh my God, in a few of her songs. We don't really like to say that. We feel like it's it's a little, I don't know, just cavalier, a little disrespectful. So Katie Beth, just in her natural speech, you know, if she says, hear somebody say OMG, she says, oh my gosh. And she makes a point to say, it's oh my gosh, right, dad? And we're like, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to always <laughs> emphasize that. But, you know, if, if that's what your heart's telling you, rock and roll kid, good job. So she sings Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. Yeah. And if you're familiar with the song, which you probably are if you've listened to any radio within the past six months or so, she's got that little breakdown, right? Bobby, you know it so well. It's it's the almost little rappy. Oh, do I? Can you can can you rap it? Uh you'd have to get me started, but probably. <laughs> my ex-man's got a new <laughs> girlfriend. He's like, oh my God, right? But shh. We don't say that. So Katie Beth always looks at me when she's singing it and she goes, oh my gosh, <laughs> she really enunciates it. She, it's such a big deal. Good girl. I love it. It's great. That's good. So uh, yeah, from our dance party family to your dance party family. Shake it off. That's right. <laughs> hey, Bobby, uh, today we're talking about something that we started talking about last week, right? This is part two. Yes. Yeah. Is This, our, this is our first two parts. This is the first right? two parter. What are we talking about though? Where where are we going with this today? We we're talking about another baby is coming. It, it it's here. We're what we talked about the preparation for one last week. Uh, for one, preparation for a new baby being born. Um, that's what we talked about last week, and some of the things that all the all the things that can go into that. And, and we probably could have talked longer, and we probably missed some things. So so give us the feedback. But now this week we are. Jumping into what it's the whole during and after period of going to the hospital, that experience, how it works for you, and how 
it works for uh, you know our family and above average families how the context of having so many kids involved and that situation is different each time and then we're going to talk about the after as well uh, so after the baby's born what does it look like when you know uh, all the kids come and they get to see the baby so we're going to get into that right now what do you think yeah buddy let's jump in so let's let's kick it off with when it's go time get your sitters together figure out your school stuff how do the kids get to school? How do they get home? Who's watching them? How do they do their homework? Who's feeding the darn dog? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> All that stuff has to work in conjunction. And it's I'm not saying it has to be masterfully planned out on the front end, but man, if it's go time and you don't have the plan yet on what you're doing with your other kids running around the house, it's time to figure out how you're making it happen. You know, some of these shows, this show is making me realize no one could think we're an imposter we, we're definitely dads of larger families because we're comfortable <laughs> to talk about water breaking <laughs> and I other things. I said the term, I said the term water breaking, and I was like, oh, is that is that uncouth? Is that, is that yeah, is this, is this normal? <laughs> but it is. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's, it's so vernacular now for us, uh, you know, so, so routine. Uh, so, and I'm sure yeah, anybody yeah. listening could, could, could chuckle with us right now because, you know, the things that, that may have been spoken about, you know, before you had any kids were not natural to speak about. And now we can say these things like they're rolling off our back, you know, so it's funny. <laughs> I've got some other ones that are popping in my head right now. And I'm like, no, those are definitely uncouth. Water breaking. Yeah. Okay. Those other ones, <laughs> we'll skip that this time around. But anyway, kind of going back to your action plan, get it together. Let's go, let's go. All that. Get the grandparents, so your in-laws or your parents, get them involved. Get the other family, the friends, the neighbors. Let them know all that stuff's happening. I wouldn't say we really have any tips or tricks or hints or any of this stuff here, but that's that kind of sets the stage for what we're talking about. Is Yeah, just get it rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You're, you're sending out the mass text messages. Hey, we're making it happen. It's the action plan for going to the hospital, or it's the action plan for calling the the home birth midwife to come on to the house, that kind of thing. Yeah. And when you got all the, when you got other kids, it's this kind of this sound, the alarm, all hands on deck thing, yeah. uh, which is way different than when you had, when you had your first, right? So that's right. That's right. So let's talk about something else that has changed. We talked about, you know, the rituals and all that stuff, things that stayed the same, things that are now different. Uh, I don't know about you and Catherine, Bobby, but Sarah really likes to hang out at the house. She doesn't want to be at the hospital, especially on the front end, any longer than she needs to. She's a medical professional, so she she knows what's necessary and what's not. Now, even though she needs to definitely be a patient and a mom instead of a nurse practitioner at that point, uh, she does a really good job of balancing the two and saying, look, I just I want to take care of me, of my baby. I want to enjoy my time at home. And Again, that's very different than baby one, where it's like, okay, it might be time to go to the hospital soon as whatever. And you hear all those crazy stories about the false starts and then going back home before the baby and all that. Right. Yeah. We're the same. Well, we were lucky going back to the the, the midwife we had for Ava, the first our first baby. She kind of forewarned us and, and was preemptive and don't rush out to the hospital on the first sign of, of this or that. And um, and it worked for us. I certainly am not giving any ad- advice or, or, you know, telling people what they should or shouldn't do. Do do whatever you think is best for you. But to your point, Lance, we like to labor at home as much as we can. We, 
<laughs> I'm going to get smacked too. Um, it's a team effort, man. It's a it, team effort. It is. It's okay. it, it should be. It should be. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a liberty here. And every once in a while, so I'll say we. Um, but Catherine likes to try to labor at home as much as possible. So that way we don't get to the hospital and they say, yeah, you're, you're just not ready yet. Go on home. Cause that almost happened to us with Lucas, uh, which is another story in and of itself. But we, uh, we try to try to go when it's go time, right? Yeah. Good point. So it's probably a little harder to labor at home and to do that stuff after you have more kids though, right? Kind of going back to the niche of what we're talking about with above average. That's fine and yeah. dandy when it's 10 o'clock and you can make that process work because the other kids are already asleep. But have you guys had to deal with that? Like if if she's wanting to, you know, work on bringing the baby into the world, work on that labor and it's four o'clock and the kids are just on firing on all cylinders? Yeah, it's a good question. I, not in, not, Drastically, uh, I remember a couple times uh, I would wake up one morning and say, "Should I go to work today?" I mean, are you good? Because she may have said she experienced some minor contractions in the middle of the night, and and we, you know, we're either right at the due date or even past. And and she, yeah, I mean, women in general are my heroes, especially my wife, my my biggest hero ever. For what they're, I mean, Catherine was still like moving around and and like nesting and cleaning and doing everything she just had to do with the other three kids before she had William. And I think I went to work even, I think I'm trying to remember because some of them kind of are coming together. But, uh, you know, I remember one, one day I got called at work and she's like, Hey, it's go time. No major rush, but I think, I think it's coming. And of course I hang up at the phone and I'm like, stand up in my office. I'm like, you know, everybody's clapping for me, you know, and I'm like rushing out the door. I get home and I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go. And she's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're okay. I just needed you to be here. And I think we are going to go in the next couple hours. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Let me calm down a little bit. So <laughs> I'm not going to be doing 90 down the interstate. Yeah, I'm like, it's not happening, right? It's not happening yet. I've been, I've been working on my driving skills. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, it, I think for us, as Sarah's wanted to labor at home, I believe, and she'll she'll correct me if I'm wrong because she definitely has that liberty to do so. But I believe that that it's happened mostly at night. The kids have been asleep, or we've had family and friends around to where it hasn't been that big of a deal. So you know, the home birth was slightly different, um, but we had we had family around that was able to help us ease into that. It was a lot smoother. But if that's if that's not you, if you've got a different situation going on. And you think that it's it's likely that you're going to have to deal with children, and if, you, if I guess I'm talking to the husband here, if you're going to have to deal with a bunch of kids and your laboring wife simultaneously, think through that. Think what that could look like. Mm-hmm. So let's assume that this is a hospital birth that we're talking about because most births are. Let's assume that you've had the baby, yay! It's the cigar moment. It's the it's a boy or it's a girl. Baby's fine. All that stuff. Now. You're, you're kind of in that waiting game. And for us, Bobby, I think the, uh, the first few pregnancies or the first few births, we were just trying to get in and out of the hospital as soon as, as quickly as possible. We didn't want to hang out. Not only didn't, did we not want to be there for a lot on the front end, but after the baby was out and healthy and mama was healthy and the baby's nursing, I mean, just all that stuff that's on the medical side, right? Yeah. The medical checklist. Yeah. You're kind of ready to go home. 
you're kind of done with the hospital bed. You're kind of done with nurses poking and prodding, prodding you. I'm saying that on behalf of the ladies because I know my wife has said that a thousand times before. Yeah. That's the worst part about the hospital stay. Yeah. Do you stay in the hospital both nights or do you stay in the hospital for three nights as your family gets larger? Do you try to, quote unquote, milk that? You know, do you want to take advantage of that? Because it ends up being more restful there than at home. Yeah, I think it's circumstantial. I can say that, you know, and that varies between, uh, you know, different pregnancies. Um, I'm a little I think I'm a little bit on, uh, on the other side of that coin versus wanting to get out of there as soon as we can. Um, I think we may have had one or two opportunities to leave sooner than we chose to. And it wasn't like, can we stay? It was more like, you guys have the option. You know, the, the, the medical professionals would come in and say, you know, if you want to go home, you can, uh, but you also, you know, can stay this night and we'll monitor this and, and the baby can go, it comes to come to the nursery and things like that so that you guys can get, uh, some restful sleep. Um, and so we, we actually think of it as a, just a, almost like a mini little getaway. Um, you know, obviously again, disclaiming here that, you know, this is when things have gone very well and normal and, um, you know, we've been blessed in that regard. So I know that there could be people listening that, you know, maybe had very traumatic birthing experiences, whether it been for their first, second, 10th kid, whatever. Uh, and that's, probably all very circumstantially different. But for us, we like hanging out. We love people to come uh, and see the baby. We love visitors. We don't, we don't turn anybody away from, from our friends and family. And um, the moment that the kids get to come, I think we're going to talk about that in a second, that that's always fun. And we really do take advantage of that restful sleep. Like the nurses will offer to take the newborn infant with them to the nursery for the night. Um, especially on the second night. Typically it's, it's like a, a two night thing and you leave on the the third day or whatever. Um, and we, we like it because, and it's quiet and we love that we love our other children, but we love that they're not there at that time. And we know we've got a whole, we know <laughs> we've got a whole life ahead of us to the, to the chaos. And we've got 24 more hours to just relish and love on our little baby before it gets crazy. Uh, so that, that's our perspective, not to say it's right or wrong, but that's us. We really enjoy that time, uh, to just be in the hospital together and just, it's quiet there and you're not waking up for another kid and I could go on and on. Yeah. No, I'm glad you unpacked it though, because, and I've said this before, doing this show for me in a lot of ways is a little bit of kind of personal catharsis and I'm able to do a lot of thinking through this entire sure. thing. And I don't just mean the birthing process. I mean, the entire big family thing. I'm able to do a lot of, I guess, planning for my parenting via the show, you know? So how am I going to get rid of the nine things that I'm tripping over every time I walk out of the garage? Well, I'm going to go back and listen to the, the show about having a bunch of stuff, sure. right? Yeah. So doing this show, I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I'm interviewing you, but I love just hearing the other examples, the other stories, the other experiences of how did you guys do it and what's working for y'all? So sure, here we are, likewise. baby number five on the horizon, and Sarah and I are right there right now. And we're thinking, okay, if we've got people that not only we, we trust, because it's going to be our family that's watching the kids, that's helping the kids get to and fro from school or all that stuff, we trust them, but are we going to be burdening them is it going to be at their expense 
and we get to enjoy this time with the brand new baby and we get to milk it for the 48 hours instead of the 24. So we're just, we're, we're waffling back and forth a little bit. And it's also, you know, it's the hospital. It's, sometimes it feels like a second home. Do you want it to be, you know, do you, how comfortable do you want to be or do you need to be there? If you're getting more rest there than at home, that's probably good for mama and the brand new baby. But at the same time, don't forget, you've got all these other children to worry about and not worry about, but take care of because that's what we do. That's our role. Right. And I, I, that's why I said earlier, it's very circumstantial. It's just the balancing act. Yeah. So so we don't have a plan and we're just going to have to play it by ear. And uh, yeah, but it, it's nice to be prepared with the information that either way, we're going to feel comfortable and more confident in making that decision when the circumstances arise. Sure. We we could do a show on how I how I personally prepare to go as uh, the husband to the hospital because I I really uh, you know pack my blankets and I I've got my devices and things like that. <laughs> I say, I'm saying this so that when Catherine listens, she'll get a chuckle because I know she would say, "You should tell them how much junk you bring." For you and not, you know, you're thinking about, you know, your comfort and making the cruddy little beds that are very uncomfortable for the man comfortable. And I, I figure that all out, bring in extra pillows and stuff like that. <laughs> no, I, I think we've all got something like that. I got a, a T-shirt sure. that I like to wear. And it makes no sense at all, but I did it with Katie Beth. And there, there you go. There's another tradition. Every time we've had a baby, I love holding my brand new baby in this T-shirt that I've had since 2005. And it's just, it's totally random. And it, it's just a fun little I love, quirky I thing. I like that. That's really cool. So let's move on to the next segment. So you've had the baby. Baby's healthy. You've spent your time in the hospital. Or you're you're ready to kind of emerge from your cocoon, from your home birth. Because I, that's a thing. We've been there, done that. And it's time to it's time to go home. And it's time for reality to start to set in a little bit. But uh, the other kids are about to meet their new sibling for the first time. What's that like? That's an awesome, awesome moment. I'm sure you have some crazy stories there. Bobby and I have this funny little moment. Bobby just, he put in a, a note that he wanted to tell the story about Ava. And I, I've got a funny piggybacking story he doesn't know that I'm going to tell on top of that. What's your story, Bobby? So Ava is our only girl. We've got, um, well, we had Ava and then we had two boys. And we don't ever find out. Uh, we Well, we have one time and the other three times we haven't found out the gender and now that we have the comparison of the two for us not finding out is just way more fun and just we love the surprises and and that just is the most real natural full surprise that you can really have today's day and age um because you just don't know uh i'm you got to tell your doctors and all that stuff in advance but so we didn't know we didn't know uh what what we were having and neither did our kids uh, the kids were very convinced, though, so convinced that they had us convinced that maybe even some angel of God was tugging at, you know, piercing their hearts a bit or whatever, just to tell us they were so convinced it was a girl. And you all know that it's a boy. It was William. But during that time frame, we had a girl name picked out and everything. And, and Ava, of course, being the oldest and being a girl was just wanting a little sister to no end, right? To share all her little toys and Barbies and whatever that girl stuff is. And so she comes to the hospital. All the kids come to the hospital with her, their grandparents, uh, Catherine's parents. And they kind of turn down the hall, and I'm kind of out of the room 
waiting uh, for um, for them to come down because it's so exciting to see their faces light up and all this. And Ava is just bawling, like just crying her eyes out coming down this hallway. And, you know, my heart's like turning over and over, like what what's going on here? Uh, and it's because uh, Amy, my mother-in-law, had just told her that it's a boy. And uh, so she's crying and then she walks in the room and she sees William and she cried even harder, like, it's true, it's true, it really is a boy. She was so upset, but she did, obviously, that war, and now, you know, William is her, just as much her baby as it is, you know, Catherine and I, and, and uh, or me and Catherine's, it's, it's funny, it's just a funny story there. Uh, I can imagine Ava, she's, she's so funny, and she's so big-hearted, in a lot of ways, Katie Beth, our oldest, and Ava are just alike, they're very similar in age, very similar in approach. Like they love a good time. They love to party. They love seeing each other. And they also love their siblings. And I think there's some of that kind of that that natural maternal instinct, that nurturing thing that comes out because it's the oldest kid in the family and it's a girl. So I think it just naturally makes sense. Yeah, you know, of course they want to baby their baby. Katie Beth was three years old when Mary was born. And I remember, and I've actually got video of this, so the audio is hysterical. I've got video of me being on the phone with Katie Beth after Mary was born. And mom was on the other end at at the house. And she had Katie Beth on the phone, on her phone. And I was going to tell Katie Beth, same kind of thing. It's a surprise, right? And I'm going to tell Katie Beth, it's a girl. So it comes down to the, it's a girl moment. Katie Beth, it's a girl. And she relays it back to my mom, who's going, what is it? Just tell me, is it a boy or a girl? And Katie Beth goes, it's a boy. And my mom is freaking out. She's so excited, and it's so fun. And, I mean, she obviously loves Mary. Caveat, just so, you know, i got to throw that out there. Yeah. But it was just the change. It was the experience. And if it was a girl, she would have had the same reaction. She's so excited. And I'm going, no, 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 no. And it's like watching (laughs) something happen from way far away and you can't do anything about it. And I'm going, Katie Beth, Katie Beth, Katie Beth. It's a girl. It's a girl. And then I hear her turn to mom and go, it's a girl. But I wanted a boy. And it was really (laughs) funny. Because she, I, we hadn't really talked about it. We had said the whole time, it's a surprise. We hadn't done the girl name, boy name thing with Katie Beth. She was three, right? Big difference at that time, at that sure, age. Sure, sure. And apparently she really wanted a boy. So uh, uh. We, we tell you these little stories because I'm sure you've got them too. And again, that's that would be something great to share with us. So if you've got a really good story on that, uh, give us an e- shoot us an email. Visit us on the website, hit us up on Facebook. Maybe we'll figure out a way to get your your story uh, on the podcast at some point. But man, these kids love their babies. Yeah, too much love is what we say. Um, because, you know, the, the rest of that scene is all of them coming in the room. Uh, the boys, Noah and Lucas, are just wild and rambunctious. And they run up to Catherine, who's holding the baby. And she's still in you know her hospital bed and all this stuff. And... And me as the husband, I'm like, what? Wait, wait, back off a little bit. Let's. That's too much love, you know. And we'll even say <laughs> that, yeah, jokingly, we say that, you know, going even into that baby boot camp phase, those first four to six weeks, and uh, you know, the kids are like all up in the baby's face, and we're, you know, we're afraid they're gonna hurt the baby because you're loving them too much, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that it just it's a crazy scene there. 
I remember a- Lucas and Noah were interested for about two minutes, and then they were asking to play on my iPhone or something um, or, or whatever, some device. And we were like, oh, well, boys. Your, your brother's here. Yeah. Yeah. Ava was, tried for the first 10 minutes, and then she finally was like, can I hold him? And, you know, so, yeah. And, and I think that just carries on to coming home and, and, and such. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's chaos. It, it's a it, it's a chaotic moment, but it's also a lot of fun because their eyes light up when they first see the the baby and what's what's its name and why is it not doing anything and who, you know who you know it's just funny how they don't really understand all that stuff you know so awesome so we we've talked about we've talked about this because we've said it eight times probably in this episode already how important it is or how appreciated. It is that we've got this external help, and not everybody has that. Let's let's address that. Um, uh, I'm very fortunate, very blessed that I'm I'm back home. I'm back in my hometown. My parents are here. Sarah's parents are here. We've got that built-in network, and that's one reason that we moved back here to Kentucky. We've got that built-in network. It exists here. They're able to jump in and uh, help, especially in real situations like this. So we've had a baby go to the hospital. That was a big deal, man. In a heartbeat, they jumped in and helped out with the other kids. Obviously, we're getting ready to have the fifth baby. They'll be able to help out. But it's funny because they've always been there and friends have always been there or neighbors have always been there, right, to help with different things. And Bobby, I'm sure it's been similar with you and Kat. But whereas with earlier kids, the family would come and they'd help with laundry or you might have a house project that they're jumping in on. They're certainly cooking or baking or doing whatever. Now, I'm totally happy if they just function as babysitters. Yeah. I'm so grateful if they just sit there and make sure that the kids don't burn down the house and the kids get food in their belly and go to bed at a decent hour and bam, that's all it takes. It doesn't take much to make us happy anymore. Totally agree. Yeah. If For them to allow us to have that, what I talked about a few minutes ago, that quiet, calm, you know, intimate time with your wife and your newborn baby that's just worth all all the gold in the world to me. You know, just thank you for just taking care of the other ones, you know. So Yeah. And again, uh, unfortunately, not everybody has that. But I would just challenge those people who don't have that to get involved somehow, kind of maybe outside of this, maybe not when you're expecting the next addition to your big old family. But get involved. Get involved in a church. Get involved in an organization. Find that network. Uh, it might even be with... Uh, one of your, with you or your spouse's job. I know, Bobby, where you work and where I used to work, uh, that network, that was a really, really tight-knit group of people that would pretty much anybody in the company, and it was about 350 people when I was there, anybody would do anything for anybody else, even if it meant, you know, going to watch somebody else's kids for a little bit while X was happening, you know, whatever it would be. It was just a tight-knit group. If you don't have that family around you, if you don't have that tight-knit group around you already, it exists. People are looking to help out. You've just got to let them know that you need the help. And you've got to find the right people. There's got to be the trust factor there. But I don't want you, the listener who doesn't have this around you, that doesn't have that built-in family network around you, I don't want you to think that we're whitewashing this. We understand that it's not it's not Shangri-La for everybody. Yeah. But I will say... There have been times when we needed that. When we lived in Tennessee, we needed that. And you know what? When we asked for help, we got it. It wasn't too hard. The hardest thing about it was kind of swallowing our pride and saying, hey, we need help here. Bobby, you got a story. You got a story that's related to all this somehow. What is it? I guess it sort of relates to just the 
the big family. Um, you mentioned here, and I don't know that we got to, to talking about how after you bring home a newborn and, and it is kind of crazy for a while and mom has to really focus on the baby and dad is juggling other things, maybe taking on some other responsibilities that he, he doesn't always. And until, until things can return to a new balance, you know, uh, and and we're going to talk about getting the kids involved and how they can kind of start helping out in certain ways, especially your older ones. And that reminded me of a story of uh, that I just heard, recently heard. Uh, it was a you know, secondhand story. Someone was telling me that uh, they knew this this mom would would bring all her kids to to church on a, a certain night of the week to, to pray, and they were like she had ten kids, and you know, from afar, this person would kind of always see this mom and and the kids and they'd all come to pray. And it was this really just beautiful kind of scene. And and this person finally, after a while, got the gall to approach the mom and was like, how do you, you know, how do you do this? Like, how do you manage? I mean, one, having all the kids, two, you know, your home and stuff, but then three, doing something like this. And I see you here every week, and you're bringing your kids um, to, to 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 pray, which is that's such a great thing for kids to learn that at a, a young age. And of course, they're not like little angels, you know, but they're probably running rampant around and stuff. But that's the beauty of it. And the mom's response was kind of interesting that I thought was relatable uh, to having older kids jump in and help out. She said, "You know, after the first four, it really got easier." And I'm not there yet, and I'd almost be interested to hear what maybe some listeners that have you know more eight, ten kids, uh, and I'm sure it's different for everybody. But this mom was like, after the first four, the others, um, you know, the other six that that came after because she had ten kids, uh, the first four helped out so much for the for to, to raise up and just be examples and. Uh, living in the same household and, and doing their responsibilities kind of raised the other kids um, as well. Like obviously the parents still took their very active roles, but uh, having four older siblings that knew what to do and how things worked, the others that came along after just naturally kind of came into the fold. Uh, and I thought that was a really cool story um, in relation to this podcast when when we were, we talked about I don't know if we ever got to that. We we can, but just the idea of the older kids helping out as you bring home a newborn, and then as you bring home another newborn. Um, so anyway, that that was that was my cool story there, dude. That is a great story. Yeah, uh, and great point too about getting the older kids involved. You know, to to whatever degree you can do that when you've got a younger family, and that's that's where you are. That's where we are. It's a little bit harder. But hearing stories like that is definitely, okay, there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And Sarah and I are already starting to see that. We've got our seven, seven-year-old who will be eight fairly soon, and she is already so much more helpful than she was even a year or two ago. She's jumping in. She's not only helping us out, she's helping her siblings out. And you can already project, you know, two, three years from now, how much cooler that's going to get. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Bobby, I think I think we've pretty much covered it. We've talked about the before, the during, the after, the aftermath. what all that stuff looks like, <laughs> and the aftermath. Yeah, 
of, of when a new arrival comes. And it's, you know, uh, another new arrival, yet another new arrival for your above average family. Uh, it's crazy. It's insane. But uh, what's the what's the term you always put on it? Beautiful chaos. Yeah, that, that's that I say that a lot, along with relative and absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, you do. <laughs> At least I know. I know my faults, man. You're aware. Hey, well, thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please tell a friend, and hopefully you will continue listening to Above Average. If you'd like to, you can reach out to us over at AboveAverageShow.com. Anyway, thanks again for your time, and thank you for being Above Average. Thanks, guys. Tell me what your daddy just said to you. My dad said, um, I have a, a brother. Tell me louder. I, I have a brother. <laughs> How big is he? I have a little sister. Is it a boy or a girl? A boy. It's a girl. My mom wanted it to be a boy.